If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. It's the Bob McCallum Podcast, and it's brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today with uh, John Shannon today. And uh, hockey is on the agenda a day after not just the World Junior, what is it, quarterfinals? Quarterfinal, yeah. Canada but, uh, got a little edgy against Slovakia, but they yeah, won. They sure did, but they managed to prevail in overtime. But we also had an outdoor game in Boston. Uh, yesterday and so we'll talk to uh kevin you Paul love Dupont. those outdoor games you love those oh boy and mike zeisberger about uh hockey in general so stick around we'll be back in a minute hi this is bob mccowan for betrivers.com hey if you're looking for a sports book or casino app you should check out the bet rivers sports and casino app today play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP because you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make. You must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at one 866 531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge. BetRivers.com McCallan and Shannon uh, back with you. KB DuPont and uh, Mike Zeisberger are with us today. Uh, I assu- Well, DuPont, I assume you were at the game yesterday. Is that true? Yes, indeed. Yeah. And Z, I assume you watched the game yesterday. Is that true? Yes, and Happy New Year all. Yes, same to you. Um, I must tell you, it, it may have looked fantastic. I would, didn't watch a second of it. I these outdoor games, as Shannon knows, <laughs> I've I am so past mm-hmm. this. I could care less, and I know it's a big revenue generator. So the generator, and so the NHL will continue to have these. But this is a bore. Were you? Uh, how were you yesterday with this game, Dupont? Well, I, I'm more in your camp than the other side. I just uh, it, now that said, it, it, it was it was yesterday it was about as idyllic as it can be. Right. Weather great, crowd great, temperature good, uh, all of it. Game and you know, <laughs> and I'm listing the game at last. Right. So that sort of tells you something right there. But good, good, solid game. Uh, so uh, all in all, it, it's 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 an event. When you're there, it's great. I, I, but am I interested in watching games from the Cotton Bowl? No, I'm not. Uh, and I, you know, the, the league has contended for some time. I roll my eyes here that it's not a money maker. I do know it is a huge expense to put it on. But man, when you just when you see the cost of the tickets and the amount of merchandise, I mean, you, 
It's incredible how much stuff they sell around the thing. Well, how can it not be a moneymaker then? Well, what they point to is the cost of setting it up and running it. And it is, it's a, it's a, it's a Disney-like production in terms of getting it done. Sure. But I don't know. We don't see the books. I don't see the books. And maybe my other partners here have a, have a different spin on it, but uh, their version has been, this is straight from Gary Bettman, that they don't make much money from it. I mean, if they, if they lost sugar, money, no. they wouldn't be doing it. So. Correct. Yeah, there you go. How many empty seats were there, Kev? Oh, heck. I mean, that would, you, you could have sold 100000 to it yesterday. I mean, I, I yeah, just... What was, on the, what was on the front page of your paper? Were the Patriots in there? Were the Red Sox in there because they're bumbling? I'm not going to start about their bumbling again. Yeah. But, uh, but no, we actually, we actually, paper. we actually led yesterday's paper with it. It was, it was page one above the fold. So it, it, it gets a lot. And it, it, there's no denying this. And I think this is true wherever it's done. It gets a lot of publicity. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I'm surprised we as the Boston Globe gave it as much pub as we did because it's the third time. It's the third time here in the city, if you count Gillette as a city, which that that is a real reach. Uh, and then, of course, the two other games out in uh, out in, uh, you know, Notre Dame. And and where was the other one? The sunny place where they played. Uh, it'll come to me as we talk. So <laughs> five for them. And, yep. uh, you know, it's it's just the novelty has worn off. But 40,000 showed up. And I can tell you just from the demand I was getting and watching it on the secondary market, the demand was through the roof to be there. What the league can do, guys, okay, is put these photos of hockey players on the ice under the shadow of the, you know, iconic green monster. And those photos will carry a lot of it. Just like, Kev, I think you were, you mentioned another one that the Bruins were in. I believe that was in Lake Tahoe during COVID. That's right. Yeah. Um, and for all the trouble they had, they had two or three iconic photos of the sun setting over the mountains as these guys are playing hockey. And those things that are, are things that the league can put in their cachet and try when they're trying to sell this, go, hey, look, here it is. Now, that's all great and good, but I do agree with you guys. I mean, it is about money. And the thing is, Bob, I mean, yeah, it gets a bit tiresome. We've talked about this before. There is never an empty seat in those local markets when they. Well, have I know, and they won't I mean, be in Seattle next year either. As long as long as they sell all the tickets, yep. which they have to everyone, they're going to continue to do this. I, I mean, that's what I think. Well, there is another one this year uh, in in Raleigh, North Carolina, um, and then obviously, as Mike mentioned, there's going to be the one in Seattle, and there's going to be one uh, next year in Edmonton again. The, the, the really the issue for me was um, one, a season is enough. And in order to um, satisfy the Canadian market, they're going to, they do one every second year in Canada mm-hmm. called the Heritage Classic. What, what happened was, and I think there's a lot of people that rolled their eyes at this, was happened, I think, Mike, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think one year there were six. And and that that's when the, that's when it became an issue was they they went to the well too many times, too quickly. Uh, you know there was the one at uh, at Soldier Field. There's one at Dodger Stadium. 
Uh, the, I Notre think, Dame Stadium. In Notre Dame. There was one at the, at, at the Air Force Academy. Um, there was you know, one at the, uh, just to add, John, there was one at the Naval, Naval Academy that the, the Leafs played in. That, that's right. Um, and, and so the novelty did wear off. But if, they, if the league can be consistent and say, we're going to have the Winter Classic just one a year and do it around New Year's because that's the type of tradition you're trying to create. And then, you know, and to respect what, what the game means in our country, do the Heritage Classic every second year. If they can leave it at that, then I think that there's something to be said for it. But if they do too many it does lose its luster. And that becomes exactly what I think Bob talks about when he says, I'm tired of these things. Well, I won't watch them. But but they must be making money because there's... Is there any evidence that it helps grow the game? I don't think so. Well, no, I mean, I don't know how you... I don't know the how reason you measure, for doing it? I don't know how you measure that, Bob. I don't know how you measure grow the well, game. Okay, but then why do it? Why do it if you if you if you're going to make the claim that you don't make any money off it, and it doesn't really help I, the sport? I, I, th I think what Gary says is that we don't make very much. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> well, well, I, I think okay. When you say, does it help grow the game? Does it help grow the game on a national scale, or does it help grow the game in those particular markets? Um, well, then you better have every game in, in Arizona. <laughs> every outdoor but game I, in Arizona because they're the ones about, that need to help I'm talking about like the game, in Nashville the, the game in Nashville last year where maybe you get some curious fan there now to your point they go they might enjoy it and then they go to the arena and say this is the same type of atmosphere Event. no you know yeah. what it, it's, actually, it's actually better <laughs> but the bottom line is okay I mean we could talk about this all we want as long as there's owners that want this spectacle in their market, yeah. they're going to keep doing it. We can talk about all. Oh, I get it. Of, yeah, sure. All the kind of what ifs and in an ideal world, but these owners, and I know for a fact, there's three or four still of them lined up wanting games for their markets. Oh, hell yeah. 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 I will say that a little bit of the lost context here is that if we go back to that, that that uh, that idyllic one where uh, Crosby scores in Buffalo yeah. with the snow falling, that was a time that league was looking to do two things: fill a void on television because there weren't uh, there wasn't college bowls on January yeah. one, so they were filling a void there. Well, that void, college football, you know, they they're playing bowls every every fifty five minutes now. Oh, I know. Yeah. So that that context has been lost, and also just they wanted to get. In the NHL on television here yeah. in the U.S., right? Well, that that context hasn't been lost, but that also has been built up uh, remarkably in its time. So what its anchor was back when it was sort of a John Collins invention at the time in, in the league headquarters, uh, much of that has kind of moved on and and taken different permutations. Well, let, let, well, let's let, let's let's be, let's be honest about. You know, I was there at the time. Um, the NBC lost the Gator Bowl. NBC had no interest in putting the Gator Bowl on January 1st. Um, and they had a three-hour window. And Ken Shanzer, 
this in in many more ways, this was a this was an NBC idea. Collins deserves credit inside the league office, but this was NBC, and it goes back to your partnership about trying to get the game on the air, Kevin, uh, um, of using that three-hour window uh, on NBC initially for that Pittsburgh Buffalo game uh, at the uh, Ralph Wilson Stadium. You know, so so that that was really network saying we have a void, NHL saying we need the airtime, and it worked and it worked really well, which created this cottage industry of of uh, of outdoor games that the NHL has created. Kev, I would actually dispute what you what you said earlier because I think the window has opened up more because I'm not sure how long the college football playoffs have been going on but I don't think there were such a thing back when that first outdoor game was. Correct. I mean, the longer we've gone, the more meaningless July 1st, and I know yesterday, January 1st. Well, yesterday was July 2nd, but January, January, NFL, January. Yes. Thank you. Uh, God, I wish it was July, but uh, anyway, <laughs> um, no, I think it's opened up because I mean, yeah, the Rose bowl was played yesterday. It's not like when we were growing up, everybody knew who was in the Rose Bowl. I mean, they play the the the, the playoff games in college a couple of days earlier, and then they, they they're going to play the what the the championship game in six days. July first used to be the day. January. Even if you didn't watch any college football for 364 days, you watched it on July first, and now you get stuff like the Outhouse Bowl and the and the you know. <laughs> the cold soup bowl and all these things that, you know, in a term like Bob, Bob likes to use, nobody gives a damn. Okay. So no, flying to me, do that day has actually opened up over the years more than it, more than it did when it first, when it first came on the scene. Well, I don't know if you guys watched any of the bowl games, but I flipped a few of them on. I mean, there were, there were, there were shots of thousands of empty yeah. seats. Yeah at these bowl games and you look at who's playing and it's so-and-so who's five and six on the year against so-and-so who was four and seven. But we go back to a day, all four of us go back to a day is there were four bowl games. Well, the cotton bowl, the orange bowl, the sugar bowl, the rose bowl. Yeah, we know. Oh no, but not lots of people, Bob, you know, but there's lots of people out there that don't know. Wow. I mean, there were many more games than that, than John, than that. Those were the four New Year's games that were the, were considered the big games. Sure. And, and and John, not to stick handle in, in to, you know, keep stick handling in this direction, but you've also got a lot of these games where the guys who are draft eligible now are just saying, well, I'm not going to play right. because I don't want to get hurt sure. and affect my draft status. So not only, even, even if you are interested in one of these games, uh, realistically, a lot of times, the best players that you want to see are not playing in those games. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, that's, but at, at the same time, I mean, the, the question is, is have, have they created enough of a tradition with the New Year's Day, or, or in this case, January 2nd, uh, with the Winter Classic? Is there enough out there? Now, TNT... I, I, I'll tell you what, TNT spent a lot of time on the air yesterday. A lot of time. Mm-hmm. It was a three-hour game, and they did almost six hours, it felt like. 
pre-game, post-game. Um, and that's part of what the partnership is supposed to do is that both sides are supposed to win out of this and create that, uh, you know, that, that, that positive vibe. So from that perspective, um, it, it did what TV was supposed to do for it. So you got to say, hey, listen, that was a win yesterday for the National Hockey League in so many ways. Who among us ever predicted that we'd ever see Wayne Gretzky signing the pesky pool? <laughs> well, it's, or is Who Wayne... among us cares? <laughs> Red so- the Red Sox fans. I certainly fans. couldn't care less. Yeah, yeah, you're not a Red Sox fan. Obviously, Zeiss is a frustrated Red Sox fan. So Just yeah, keep going. Let's, let's <laughs> move on. Well, to Zeiss's point here, though, to Zeiss's point that, uh, you know, when we're comparing it to the Bulls, they get full stadia and they get TV, national TV exposure. So as long as those two are in place, if we go back to the time when those four Bulls were being played, John, here in America anyway, you only had your choice of three networks to watch. There were only three television stations, you know. In Boston, it was four, five, and seven. You could do it with one quick click. Well, now, with as we all well know, there's an insatiable amount of uh, stations. They get they they fill up every building they they go to. Why stop? No, no, you're right. And and Probably I'll tell you what the the, NA, the NHL what they what they have done is the technology of how to do an outdoor rink. The NHL have mastered it. You know because that way if you. I, I have been, I mean, I, heck, we went to Japan with them. And, you know, they, they tried to put ice rinks over top of swimming pools uh, in Tokyo and other places in order to generate revenue and create interest in Asia. Uh, that first game in Buffalo, uh, Kevin, I don't know if you remember, but yep. they bought a thousand pieces of plywood. And, and put sand in the stadium in order to try to make it viable to have a flat surface because most football fields aren't flat. Mm-hmm. Well, now they actually, the technology is so good. And, and Dan Craig, who was with the league and now his son, Mike, they've done such a marvelous job that they have two of these rink surfaces and they can put, an, they can put a hockey game anywhere in any temperature now. Well, let's talk about the quality of the ice in the game. Well, no, right it was, it was, it was. That's that's my point, Bob. Is that there there aren't very many discrepancies between that ice surface yesterday at Fenway and the ice at TD Garden. Really? Yes. You guys agree? Ice was good. Yeah, and 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 mm-hmm. you know, and some of that comment you you can take apart in that. How good is the ice at at TD Garden? <laughs> well, because I was uh, going to say MSG, but it's got better. Yeah, and, and and many of these arenas that have so much use, the ice isn't very good, so there isn't. But it, it, it's it's still not indoor ice; it's not quite there yet. What I will say, from an in in stadium fan experience, it still falls very short. Oh. If if you're actually there to watch a game, uh, you know. Now Fenway Park doesn't have many many good baseball seats it's a fun park but there's uh, but percentages of good seats and some of them are the best in all of sport is probably 20 to 30 percent for baseball it's less than that for hockey and what they haven't done the nhl for all you know all the whistles they've built into it and and the technology they've yet to come up with any sort of 
video displays that if you're actually in the building to see the game, you can see what the hell's going on. That's the hard part. It really is the hard part, you know? Right. And Kev, to, to your point, I, can, I always think about having covered a few of these in, um, in my career. I always think about the people, you know, or the kids that on Christmas morning, they open up and they find out, oh, you know, in any market, oh, I got, look at, I got first row seats for the winter classic. Right. And then they show up. You can't see over the boards. Yeah. Right. right? And a lot of seats are like that. And, and Fenway's different. Okay. But if you're going to have one of these things, um, I've always thought that football stadiums are better because of their shape. They're rectangular. Yeah. The stands run, uh, you know, uh, parallel to each other. The winter, um, the Heritage Classic last year, there wasn't a lot of pomp and pageantry for it um, in Hamilton for uh, for the Leafs and the Sabres, other than the fact that, hey, you know, uh, Toronto people, Golden Horseshoe, it's like right there. From a pure sightline point of view, it might have been the best one I, I, I've been to because anybody that knows Tim Hortons Field, it's pretty much just two stands on each side of the rink mm -hmm. and the sight lines were good. I just kept looking at some of those people at Fenway yesterday going, these people can't see a damn thing. No. But the most they can see is like heads skating across the top of the boards. But, yeah. But best seat in the house would have been on the Green Monster, I would assume, huh? Green Monster was very good. Yeah. But even then, it's 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 a ways back. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, because, I, I don't know if you can read certain shirt numbers or or names from from there. I I was in the press box, a very good seat. He could barely make out the numbers. Barely. Look, and you go way, to an Jeff, event like this, whether it's an outdoor game or with even a Super Bowl, it's the event that you that's yeah. right. You buy Absolutely. into. It's not the it's not the game. Absolutely. Hey, they yeah. had the Boston Pops play, playing the dropkick Murphys. I mean, that's about as Boston as you can get. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and again, it's fun. People had people go and they have a blast, and that's what it's supposed to be. About. And I just got to get this off my chest, Kev. You're a big, you're a big, big deal in Boston, and not just from hockey. And you're saying that people in Fenway had fun yesterday. So when are you going to get that baseball team to stop acting like the Tampa Bay Rays oh, and spend man. some bleeping money? Yeah, but John Henry my, was my getting... rant is over. Okay. Yeah, um, thank you. But... John Henry was getting booed out on the street when he was spotted. People yelling, uh, <laughs> yeah. "Sign Rafa!" One guy yelled out, "Sign anybody!" So yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't know where we are time wise, but I th I think we should probably take a break at this point in in uh, the proceedings, and we'll come back in a minute with uh, Dupont and Zeisberger. Back after this, the Bob McCowan podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. Unfortunately, life doesn't come with a user manual, so when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. Navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure, whether it's a career change, a new relationship, or even becoming a parent. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. The therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and teaching you productive coping skills. 
Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash bobcast. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash bobcast. McCowan, Shannon, Zeisberger, DuPont all together. All right, let's indoors. We're indoors, by the way. Yeah. And it's let's, July 1. <laughs> yeah. Let's focus a little bit on the team that actually <laughs> won that outdoor game. Uh, the Boston Bruins continue to be the story in the NHL. I mean, they're, they appear to be miles the best. Um, is there? I guess there's still a chance, though, that something weird can happen and Boston could lose four or five games in a row or something to that effect. Although there's no evidence to support the theory that that'll happen, is there, DuPont? No, there's been no fall-off. I mean, they, they've lost eight games, four in regulation. Every time they lose, they win. They're 8-0-0 after those losses. Uh, haven't lost a home game yet, have they? No, haven't not in regulation. Yeah. Right. Not in regulation. They have lost overtime games. And I bought, you know, a, a Pittsburgh Penguins swoon is lose five straight games. A, a, a Boston Bruins swoon is get a point and lose one game in overtime. Right. <laughs> that's, right. The, that's the difference right now. Yeah. 19-0-3 at home. Um Allmark has been unbelievable and unbeatable. Uh, so there's really no reason to think that there'll be a fall off. It's uh, the only reason to think of it is we, we've all watched the game far too long to know that it, it, ultimately it comes around and, and usually either through fatigue and injury. Uh, but so far, that's another sort of uncharacteristic uh, mark of this team. The Bruins, you know, typically you know, typically have loads of injuries thus far, really nothing to speak of. They had Marshand and McAvoy out from the start of the season, Grizzlick too. They all got them back a little bit ahead of time in each. Uh, I would say Marshand and McAvoy have not yet reached back to prime play, but that said, all they do is win. And, and, you know, I think Montgomery deserves a lot of credit for that. I think he's done a terrific job. Well, it, it, let, let me ask you this, Kevin. Don Sweeney took a lot of flack for the the Mitch Miller situation yep. early on uh, when they 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 signed a kid who had issues and and then you know subsequently released him. But if you look at the decisions Sweeney has made recently, the free agent signing of Allmark, the Hampus Lindholm trade, um, you know, being patient with Jake DeBrusque. Then firing Bruce Cassidy and hiring Jim Montgomery. Boy, oh boy, there's some pretty savvy moves by this guy that doesn't really get much credit in Boston, does he? Yeah, no, I think I think you're right about that. I think many of us, self-included, didn't think they I some people thought they wouldn't be in the playoff mix at all. I thought they'd be where they were last year, seventh or eighth. Z, Z I think, is waving his hand to tell us that he thought they'd be okay. Is that what you're saying, no. Z? No, no, he we, thought they'd we, be dead. We, we all thought that they oh. were they were on the downslide. Yeah. McCowan's told me for years, for decades, that I don't know anything about anything. Yeah. And that we've used a lot of airtime to try to prove that. Okay. <laughs> well, for once, guilty is charged because I really thought that the Boston Bruins were the team that was going to slide. Uh, how old are their two centers? 38 and 37 or Correct. 37 and 36 for their top two centers? Correct. Um, I didn't see low, especially up front, and I'm not talking about the Pasternak's, I didn't see this influx of young players coming in like kind of the successful teams need. 
Um, kudos to them because I was, I've been way wrong on this team. I keep waiting for them to, you know, have a hiccup and here we go because every team I've never seen a season this year. And I did a, um, the other day I did a, uh, a general manager's round table with Jim Nill, uh, Billy Guerin and Kenny Holland. All three of them have said they've never seen parody in the league like this. And they've never seen a, a, a year or a season where teams go into streaks. Okay. They lose eight and then they win nine, you know, right. there's these chunks like this. And I keep waiting for the Bruins to do that. And the only, yeah, they're they're They have chunks. They win. Um, you know, and I keep finding reasons why I shouldn't believe in the Bruins. And on a nightly basis, they, 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 they may, may make me look wrong. And I, I don't, are they the most talented team? Are they talent more talented than Colorado? Are they more talented than Tampa in terms of raw skill? I don't think so, but kudos to them. That that makes what they're doing to me even more impressive. Well, the other team we don't talk about at all who've had an amazing run is Carolina. Yes. We're now the second best team in the National Hockey League statistically. I know the, that I didn't pay that much attention. I asked earlier today, when the Leafs play Boston again, because I kind of thought that was it. That was the rivalry. That's a game you'd want to watch. And it's what, John, next week sometime? 14th, week? I think. 14th of January. Yeah. Right. But the Maple Leafs are four points back of Carolina. You know, Carolina is uh, appears to be the second best team in the NHL. And who knows? You can make the argument, I guess, over the most recent times, they're, they're probably as good as Boston. Um. Is it? I mean, look at I, I. There's nothing wrong with Carolina. Here's what scares me about Carolina, Bob. Is and you, you, listen, numbers are the numbers are the numbers. They win. You know they're you know they're right now their goalies are Peter Kachukov and Antti Renta. Yeah. And and Freddie Anderson's in the press box because he's still hurt. Um, I'm not sure that they can score a goal at a key time when they need to. And I that was that has become their Achilles heel in the playoffs. You know, they get down a goal in the in a playoff game, you know, they you know they they can't do what Tampa does. Tampa seems no. to squeeze out a key goal at key times. This season the Bruins, the Bruins are plus 31 in the third period. Mm-hmm. But if none of us can explain the Bruins. Well, except no, that, that's not. Here. Well, no, but Charlie McAvoy. Look, first of all, Linus Allmark has been spectacular. Well, Char- that's Char- fine. I, I, you don't I have mean, to April gone. Well, I tell you what, I, 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 guys I, that have well. I, 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 I we would know they're playing well. Here's but not, here's they the shouldn't thing. be. No, but here's the thing: in in a season that it, that has been a rejuvenated season in Boston, if you you tell me a playoff game, Carolina playoff game with Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci as my centers versus, you know, um, Sebastian Ajo and Jordan Stahl, I'm going with the Bruins, man. I'm going with the Bruins experience. That's fine. I'll give you, I'll give you Bergeron. I'm not buying Krejci. Well, what do you think, Kevin? Krejci, is he, is he the real deal this year? Yeah, I mean he's he's not overwhelming. I have to say, and I I play this through my head all the time. There's nothing about them that is overwhelming except the record. 
Yeah. So it's it's not like I I I, I look down over the course of a week or two and say, well, Bergeron's carried them. The the, the two backline guys you've mentioned, Lindholm and McAvoy, they've gone almost forty five games now between them without a goal. <laughs> so they they get no punch from the back. What what they do is they, they and it, it, this sounds corny to a degree, but it 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 is a factor in this. They get they get extremely solid veteran leadership out of Bergeron, out of Krejci, and lo and behold, out of Felino, who was dreadful last year, right? Dreadful. Uh, yesterday he commands the room after the second period. He he, he kind of grabs them by the throat and says, "We can do this." You know yeah. what? They listened to it and they did it. And so that, you know, Kev, that's that's the Felino right there that the Maple Leafs traded a first-round pick for, and right. he immediately got hurt. Got right. hurt. He was so hurt. You're, I, I remember wondering at the time, is this guy, is he done? Because of the way that he plays, the physical way. And we've seen, I'm not saying he's like a Wendell Clark, but he plays the physical game in an era where, you know, that really has gone the way of the Dodo bird. And I wondered, you know, is this guy going to be able to come back? I mean, when they made that signing and we, we talked about Sweeney, you know, I was scratching my head going like, I mean, you know, are they going to be able to build, you know, put Humpty Dumpty back together again? And obviously they have, but and uh, I want to go back to something you said, Kev. I mean, uh, you know, I didn't agree with the Bruce Cassidy uh, firing. I think he's a hell of a coach. I think we're seeing that in Vegas and I think we're seeing the guy that left uh, Vegas, Peter DeBoer in Dallas, doing yep. a hell of a job too. But kudos to Jim Montgomery. I mean, his story about, you know, I covered I covered him when he was coaching Dallas where they in 2019, where they went to double overtime a game seven against St. Louis, who ended up winning the cup um, before they lost there. And then we all know about his alcohol issues. Um, kudos to the Blues for opening up the door and giving him a second chance. But however this plays out, um, hell of a job by Jim Montgomery, and I think he he deserves a tip of the cap uh, for, be able, for being able to rebuild not only his career but his life and putting together uh, a season and a life the way that he has. Did it, but isn't this a classic case? When you you name that uh, that uh, you know that puzzle of coaches that have moved on, yep. the pl players just get tired of voices after a new while. Voice? They just need somebody new. And Kevin, I mean, I remember talking to you as the season started about your you you were surprised about the Cassidy move, but obviously this this uh, team has responded well to what Montgomery says and his style of hockey. Correct. No question. Yeah. And and I agree with you. It's, it's, it's coaching is like Vegas. Every act grows old and, and uh, not Wayne Newton. Not Wayne Newton. So yeah. And I, and I, I was more than puzzled that they moved him just, just on his record alone, but also that Sweeney had told him he was coming back and then it changed in two weeks. So there was, there was a lot there given, given how they operate. Right. It didn't make any sense to me, but it has been it has been a whether it's the right move or wrong move it's been a solid good move uh and this guy's style is vastly different uh and and every, everything is good every, every every player you bring up the guy's a beast the guy's excellent i mean there's never any sort of 
critique. And I will say this, Cassidy was was blunt at times, but he was never hard publicly on his players. He wasn't. If 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 what, what if you took it as being hard, if you watched the games, you would already come to these conclusions anyway. And you knew what he was saying. He'd already told the player anyway. But as as, as Mike Milbury said to me about Jim Montgomery, he's Mr. Rogers. Everything is great, right? Yeah. And of course, he's Mr. Rogers without the cardigan sweater. But um, although he it, did look like a paper boy in 1927 yesterday, he did. <laughs> <laughs> they all did yesterday. You know? By the, the way, did. every coach is Mr. Rogers when they're in first overall in the National Hockey League. <laughs> Absolutely. So we're and, and again, I'm 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 eager. To, I'm not eager for them to lose, and it really doesn't matter to me whether they win or lose. But I'm eager to see when there is sort of a a test here how he operates not only with them but with us. He's Kevin. not nearly the quote, by the way, and this is with too much inside baseball for most listeners. He's not nearly the quote that Ka Cassidy, no. you would show up, ask one question, he'd command it for 15 minutes and you'd go out with your notebook full. <laughs> Montgomery, you have to kind of keep going at him, not, not, not in an antagonistic way, but he'll offer a two or three word answer. And then you got to say why, because, explain. And, and once you do that, he's good, but he's not forthcoming. Kev's only, uh, you know, horse in the race for uh, wanting to see the Bruins get to the final is maybe the media meal will be lobster again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let us not forget that only, what, five, six weeks ago, we were talking about the New Jersey Devils and yeah. their great start. Yeah, you're right. And they are now second to Carolina and barely ahead of uh, Washington and New York and uh, arguably Pittsburgh. Well, the two New York teams. So they're, they're getting Pollock back and that'll help them. I mean, they, 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 Tom Fitzgerald went out and got him. That's the, that's precisely the player, the kind of player they need. What yeah. they've got is, as we all know, they've got a lot of young kids who are good, good players. I think are going to have some excellent careers in there, but they don't have to go back to that. What's part, what's carrying the Bruins. They really don't have much of a solid veteran experienced. No. Yeah savvy mix in that lineup and that's going to take some time and based on watching the world junior hockey championships in halifax they're even going to get younger because luke hughes is going to make a difference for them next year yep when he shows up and i mean he's there's a 20 year old that's going to be in the in the top nine forwards for them for sure you mean the tournament that you don't watch yes yes <laughs> so well, you I, guys... i'm going to start watching now the playoffs are on and i well, told yeah. you that yesterday you should have done that. Did you do that yesterday, last night? Uh, I watched overtime. That's all I watched was overtime. There was other really? things going on, as we were, as we will discuss. But. Yes, I know. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about the World Junior. Are you paying that much attention? And here's something, here's something that came up yesterday with John and I, and this I didn't even realize this. I mean, there are no Russians. The no. Russians are not in this tournament. Correct. For good reason, and yet... I paid no attention to it. It it didn't occur to me throughout the, this tournament that oh, there's no where's Russia? Yeah. Um. Is the World Junior still as big a deal as it once was? It's a big deal for TSN. It's a big Where deal for junior hockey fans, I guess, around yeah, the world. But it's no deal down here. And and exactly. I have to admit, I have to admit, I, I I feel guilty every year about this that I know I should be watching. But I've only got so many hours in the day 
Yeah. Uh, you know, the NHL beat work is extremely demanding. Uh, so oh. when, when I get that sort of space airtime from my head, I go somewhere else. And, and, I, and I do. I feel guilty about it. Yeah. But it is what it is. I don't know what it is in Canada. Different. It's demanding, Kev. We get paid to watch hockey. I know. Yeah, I know. I know. That's why. <laughs> yeah. As the words come out of my mouth. But we know. We, we know. It, it, I get you. But yeah. you know what? You know what, Bob? Uh, for me, I, I don't really have that much interest. I know, I know what it is. But also, I mean, this is a tournament that's in Canada four ever, out of every five years. How is that a level playing field? I mean, it's fun to watch these kids play. But how much traction does it get in other places, like Kevin said, like the U.S. or Sweden or Finland or, or Slovakia, any of these places? I don't really know. Why I watch is to see some of the skilled kids specifically, no matter what, they, what, what, um, what team they play for, what position they play for. And I got to tell you, I mean, you know, you hear a lot about Connor Bedard. You watch his, his, his some of the highlights that he have in, has in juniors. But I will want to watch more now uh, in Canada, you know, in, into their semifinal game. Because if anybody saw that goal, that winning goal that he scored last night, he's still geeking people to put mm. the puck into the net. Well, that, that was, was extraordinary, a, yeah. It, that's a ridiculous, ridiculous play. And, you know, uh, to me, I'm watching a kid that looks at the stage he's on and just says, you know what, this is my time. I'm going to grab it. That was just, that was one of the, you know, I got to say, like, you know, top 15, 20 goals I've ever seen. And if you're, if you're an NHL general manager out there and your team's near the bottom, you better hope that one of those ping pong balls falls in your favor because he looks like the type of kid, and this is no offense against the players that I'm talking about right now, but there are drafts that will net you Connor McDavid, and there are drafts that will net you Nico Hischier. Those are two different things. One's a generational player, one's a really good player. And I think this year, there's team, whichever team wins is going to be in line for generational. You know, it's funny, when the, before the tournament started, there was a lot of discussion that, well, but Bedard's going to be there, and and... To your point, Mike, Adam Fantilli was supposed yeah. to get and elevate himself to that next level. And anywhere you anywhere you read about the tournament, Fantilli's been good, but this is this is the this is Connor Bedard's coming out party in so many ways, don't you think? Oh, definitely. But you know, I just I want to be like the quarterback that goes up to the up to the line when his he's a, the home crowd is cheering and he kind of waves his arms okay this kid i do believe is a generational talent can we please people that are doing this please stop comparing him to connor mcdavid he's it's unfair to the kid and you know in terms of raw talent raw skill talent i'm not talking about any era i'm just talking right now in the history of the game, I have never seen a more talented player than Connor McDavid. And sometimes we want to compare everybody. This kid hasn't even, he's still a teenager. Let's at least give him a little bit of time. But in this country, we don't do that. Ask Sidney Crosby, <laughs> ask Wayne Gretzky, ask Connor McDavid. 
Am I wrong, or is Bedard more of a pedestrian superstar? I don't know if you guys understand. What, 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 what do you mean by ped pedestrian? Well, you watch McDonough play, and I, I mean, you watch Crosby when he was that age. Those guys would light it up, and you would your your eyes would open wide when when they would they would take the puck and do something. Yeah. This <laughs> kid, this kid just. Just produces. Huh? I saw the goal last night. Here, here's what I here, here, when you watch that. Well, I was shocked when I watched it because I hadn't seen anything like that. Here's what I would say to that. Even with all his other scoring, go yeah. ahead, John. Um, I I understand your point, but the game at every level, and on that roster of of Canada and the roster of the Americans. There are 18 guys that can skate like the wind. The skill level of junior hockey players, of under 20 hockey players, the skill level of everybody yeah. is higher than ever before. Agreed. So when, so when Sid played in Ramuski and played at the World Junior Championships in North Dakota, the skill level, even of his own club, even though that was the greatest junior yeah. team of all time, the skill level wasn't what the skill level is of this club or of the Americans. Yep. Everybody's been elevated. So the gap between other players and Bedard may be uh, much narrower than the gap between Connor McDavid and the kids that were on his other team or on the other teams at the World Junior Tournaments that he played in. But so what? Bedard is going to graduate at some point and play in the National Hockey League. Next year. Against, Next year. Against players who are much better than anybody Sidney Crosby played for, played against when he was 19 or 20 years old or Wayne Gretzky for that matter, or anybody else. And so the production will be appropriate, won't it? Well, we, you know, listen, there's, it's, it's taken Connor McDavid time. You know, he, he's, he's rewriting the, 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 the record book at this point in this era in so many ways, because the way he scores this year and he's now in, what is he in his, he's in his seventh year pro Bob. It takes time. So next year, don't expect Connor Still. Bedard to do this, but it's gonna, well, it's gonna. But he it's, did, he did make an impact, John. He did make. Yeah, he did. No, he did. He came no, out and and, sure and so did. did Austin Matthews. Whereas a guy like Jack Hughes, who's coming into his own, but it took him a couple of years. It took him three years. That's right. You know, and yeah. and some of these guys are just those special guys that when they step on the ice as 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 rookies. They get it. Now, the, the question becomes, in an, in an era where we do have a lot of smaller players, will his size be a factor in his first season? And is he going to have to learn how to adapt his game? Yeah. Yeah, that's because uh, you think about those players. Lindros came in with size. Mario came in with size. That's right. That's right. They, they came in. They, they arrived as 18-year-olds with adult bodies. Uh, and I, I, I still that's think, true. by and large, that has to be the case. Uh, you you can be, you know, you can be as we say, fast as the wind and all of it, smart and agile, and but you, you do have to have some some meat on the bone here, and and a lot of these kids don't. And I don't know about Bedard. I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him in the room. I haven't. So I, I don't know what what his structure no. is. But by and large, and John's <laughs> greatest point, it, it 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 takes time. It took time for Big David. Yeah, it's he's slight, Kevin. He's slight right now. Yeah. yeah. So but they so come in spindly. I mean, some of these kids, like the Bruins have this kid, Lizell, who plays for Sweden. Yeah. He's, he's baby in Lizell. He's a talented kid, but, you know, 
you see him in the room, he looks like he's barely in middle school. So yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that might be a reflection of us, not them. Well, that's true. <laughs> that, that is Jeff, true. you interviewed Cole Caulfield? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He yeah. still looks like he plays on the, uh, you know, on the high school team. Oh. Right. Eiserman did when Eiserman came in the league. I remember it was a rookie right. in Detroit. Sure. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I thought he was the stick boy. So. <laughs> Guys, time is our enemy. We got to get out of here. We thank you for yours as always. Um, enjoy the rest of the season. Well, we'll talk again before it's over. DuPont, Zeisberger, thanks, guys. Thanks, Larry. Thank you, guys. You Happy New Year. Back in a minute. Uh, we are back, and we thank uh, DuPont and Zeisberger for uh, being with us here. One topic we have not discussed that certainly was uh, the topic of last night was the DeMar Hamlin injury. Yep. Um, and I, I I say injury, but and, and it was an injury, but it wasn't. It, it was that a really wasn't. It was a collapse. He collapsed. Exactly. Now he collapsed. We believe as a result of a of a hit to his chest, which caused his heart to well. The, the, buff, the, the Buffalo Bills have uh, have announced that yes, there he did have a cardiac event, and his heart stopped. And uh, they they did CPR on him, and his, they started his heart up, and he's still in critical condition at the University of Cincinnati Hospital. We we watch football. And we see injuries on a regular basis. We see guys who are helped off the field. We see occasionally guys who are carted off the field. Um, I can't remember an ambulance being on the field before, but you wouldn't think that would be uncommon if it was a you know a leg, mm -hmm. uh, a broken leg, a knee injury, uh, any one of a number of things. But what we saw last night was was completely different. We saw a guy who technically died on the field last night. Mm -hmm. And we saw his teammates who were – and, and the opposition, um, Cincinnati players, who were devastated by what they were witnessing, yeah. crying on the field, hugging each other. And even 15 minutes after he was taken away, these were guys who were not ready to play football again. Well, listen, Bob, you've been around professional athletes uh, all your life as well. And one of the key things that I think any, any athlete believes in order to play the game at this level is immortality. Oh, yeah. And last night was anything but immortality. It was exactly. the, the, the absolute reverse. This is, this is exactly what happened. Uh, to Chris Pronger in the late 90s at a playoff game in Detroit. He got hit with the puck uh, in his uh, just right in front of his heart. Uh, and uh, he, he got up and then collapsed again, and they had to perform CPR on him in order to start the heart up. And uh, by the way, he, he came back. But the, two things, they didn't stop the game in, in Detroit that night. And he came back and played uh, within two weeks. Um, so hopefully that uh, the the long term uh, for Hamlin is is positive, uh, but at the same time, you have to wonder. Uh, the NFL has gone through a lot of controversy this year with injuries. Uh, the Tua Tagliaviola stuff in uh, once one in Cincinnati and one in another game. If they have become more sensitive to what is going on with players and that and the perception of the NFL that you know the game must go on has changed and the decision now to postpone 
last night's game after obviously the both teams said we're not prepared to play the game. What's intriguing about that statement though is that almost all of the I say questionable decisions made by the National Football League pertain to head injuries yeah. and concussions and we spent a lot of time and so has the league in trying to address the situation. What happened last night was nobody's fault. It wasn't even the it wasn't even a result of of how the game is played. But but you don't know that at that point, Bob. That's the thing. You just don't know. So so you know, siding on on the cautionary side, you know, erring on the cautionary side is something that the NFL doesn't do very often. But I don't think they did last night either. I don't think it was the National Football League who said we're not going to play this game. I think it was the players and the coaches. And I think there was lots well, of plenty of evidence on screen, live, in person that that suggested that. I think the league basically just sat back and said, well, we we don't control this event. The well, in, players, the, in the end, the NFL um, listened to the players. I don't think the NFL had a choice. I think the players I, just I'm said, not, we're not playing. Yeah, well... I, I don't think it was their choice in any way, shape, or form. Um, and I'm not sure if you if the players had said to the league, you decide what we should do. Yeah, I'm not sure the, the league would have said, don't yeah. play the game. Because this is a game now that not was important to the, the standings. I don't see how you play it. Do you? Uh, no, we no, I, I, I wonder how I was wondering how they would do it because of the, the tight time schedule. I you don't know, think you can. Play, playoffs are supposed to start in a couple of weeks, and uh, you know there's buys and everything. But uh, it, it it's a fascinating, you know, that part of it really is ancillary to Hamlin's health, right? Of but course. At the, uh, but at the same time, I'm sure that there have been meetings already to say what do we do in this scenario, and how do we how do we make sure that everybody is treated fairly, above and beyond the health of of a football player. Hamlin is still in critical condition. Um, he's unconscious, apparently. Uh, I don't know whether he'll have to have some surgical procedure. I would suspect so. But he's not out of danger. And so you can't play right now. I, I don't think you can. And I don't know. How, what are you going to do? Delay the schedule? Change the schedule for yeah, everyone? And, well, and I, I, think that, I think that's the key question, Bob. I think that's the key question. What On that side of the logistical issues of the NFL as opposed to the health of an individual athlete. I think you're going to have to do the standings based on percentage winning percentage. Hmm. Um, Cause I don't see any other reason or any other way around it. Uh, listen, we've got to get out of here. We'll, uh, we'll continue to follow this situation with, uh, with DeMar Hamlin. And of course, John and I, are, I'm sure I know uh, both wish him nothing but the best. And let's hope that uh, he, he winds up like Pronger did. Um, coming through this. Yeah. We'll uh, talk again tomorrow. Thanks a lot for watching. Bye-bye. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. 
Granger for the ones who get it done.